the wrong one. 2,000 years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us how we as Christians ought to live. Our Lord never sugarcoats or backs away from tough subjects. Humans are too quick to speak before they think. Jesus commands us in Matthew 7, 6, to be careful of what we say to people, discerning first who is open to receive the truth. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Remember, Jesus demands unswerving loyalty to him and to his kingdom standards, because only his way produces the abundant life in us. Wow, Gloria and I have been at Cross Church now for 27 years. But back in 1997, actually 96, we were in our old building on Elgin Avenue, and one of the chronic problems we had was that, that, the, that the basement would flood every time there was a storm. And so coming from a, a plumber's plumbing background, having been trained by my dad, uh, I dug a hole in the basement, chopped out the floor, and was put in the middle of putting in a backwater valve to stop the sewer water from coming in, or the, yeah, the, the rainwater. And uh, as I was in the pit covered in mud from head to toe, I got a phone call. The phone rang, and uh, I quickly jumped up, answered the phone. Hello, Western Gospel Church. That's what we were called then. And uh, this is Pastor Alan Duncalf speaking. Well, it was CJOB. And it was somebody that, if I mentioned his name, everybody would know who it was. And he'd called because he wanted to do an interview with me. And I asked him what it was. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember what exactly the theme was, but I knew instantly, uh, as he was asking me this, that there would be no, there'd be no way to come through this unscathed and no way in which to glorify God because this particular uh, radio host wanted to, to expose the truth about the church. And in his view... The truth about the church was not good. Well, we know that. We shouldn't be shocked or surprised at that. The teachings of the church, the teachings of Scripture, the teachings of Christ are, are anathema to our world. The world hates us. They hate what we believe. They hate what we stand for. And so as I was standing there trying to make up my mind, instantly a verse came to my mind, which is our text for today, Matthew 7, verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. These are the words that came to my heart, and I instantly knew what the answer was. And I had to say, no, I'm going to decline. Thank you for asking me. And that was the end of it. Over the years, I've watched one pastor after another fall into this trap. They had the opportunity to go on the radio or go on television to be, to be seen by the world. And then I've watched as one interviewer after another who couldn't care less about the gospel, doesn't, doesn't care about the truth that sets people free, knows full well that 
The questions that they're asking are going to produce answers that will make people angry. Well, these interviewers, they want lively conversations, and they want to ridicule Christian belief. I was listening to a video clip of Carl Lentz. He's a former pastor of Hillsong, uh, Hillsong Church in New York City. And uh, he was on The View, and he was asked the question, uh, what do you think of abortion? And Carl Lentz, who, by the way, is, is not, uh, not pastoring anymore, here's what his answer was, asked by Joy Behar. So, so abortion, it's not sin in your church to have an abortion. It's not sin to have an abortion. And here's what his response was. Um, that's kind of, that's a kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from, what you've been through. God is judge. People have to live their own convictions. That's such a broad question. I'm going higher. I want to sit with someone and ask, what do you believe? And so Joy Behar says, so it's not an open and shut case with you. And Lent says, some would say it is. I'm trying to teach people who Jesus is. Well, it seems kind of noble that he would say he's trying to teach people who Jesus is. But when asked a straight question, is abortion a sin? His response is, um. And his response is, God's the judge. People have to live their own convictions. Well, folks, God is a judge, but we have enough truth that we're able to judge this as well. We are able to make a decision. We're able to give a straight answer. Abortion is a sin. It's a, it's a wicked sin. It's a horrible crime. It's a crime against God. It's a crime against that poor unborn baby. It's a crime against nature. I watched Larry King ask another well-known pastor if people who don't believe in Jesus will go to hell. And the pastor, he would not answer. All he said was, I'm not the judge. We have here what we have to call an appalling lack of discernment. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about discernment. I want to talk to you about, about understanding how to properly judge. After warning us against judgmentalism in Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 5, Jesus warned us against being undiscerning. Now, you would think after those first five verses that that judging is wrong, judging is evil. You're going to see in a moment that that is really a very childish approach to this passage of Scripture. Jesus is saying, don't have a judgmental attitude, but we do need to judge. We do. There are times when we have to discern. We need to clearly understand what it is that we believe and, and what the Bible says. So Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he gives us a sketch of a man who comes across some wild dogs, some wild pigs. These dogs are not the warm, cuddly kind that you'd want to invite onto your couch to sit beside you in the evening. They're full of burrs. Their fur is ruddy. They smell. 
tongues hanging out. They're, they've got only one, th- one or two things on their mind. They want food or they want to find another animal to have sex with. And same with these pigs. These pigs are probably descendants from the European wild boar. Very, very capable of doing some very serious damage. So here's this man. He's got his bag of pearls. These wild dogs and wild pigs have have approached him. And what's he going to do? He's got no food for them. So what he does is he takes the pearls. Rather than just trying to quietly walk away or escape, he takes his pearls. He sprinkles it before these animals thinking that, that that would appease the animals, giving them something to eat. Well, these animals run towards the pearls. They, they gulp at them, thinking that there's some bits of food, but the animals are quickly disappointed. The pearls are too hard to chew, and they are tasteless, and utterly unappetizing. Enraged, these animals attack the man, and they tear him to pieces. These two animals, the dog and the pig, are a model of people who are savage, vicious, considered an abomination, people who hate God, people who hate the gospel, who hate the truth. Now listen. Unless a person is sincerely hungry for what is holy, that is, they're hungry for the gospel that will set them free. They're hungry for the pearl of great price, which represents the gospel. Well, he's like a vicious dog or a pig. He will try to destroy you if you don't give him exactly what he wants. And in this case, agreement. This is what poor Carl Lentz discovered. This is what so many pastors have discovered. It's what so many Christians have discovered. They've waded in and thinking that somehow, someway, they were going to be able to save the day by preaching the gospel. In fact, they don't preach the gospel. Instead, they start making excuses for God. They start asking uh, for people to overlook the, the severity of the gospel, and the, and the gospel is severe. And Jesus said, I've come to bring a sword. That's the nature of truth. It's a double-edged sword. It helps us see what is good. It helps us see what is evil. And I'm going to tell you this. Unless a person is sincerely hungry for what is holy, that is the truth of the gospel, he will turn on you like a wild dog or a wild pig, and he'll tear you to bits, which is what these talk show hosts do who hate Christians, and we've seen it. All of us have seen it many, many times. I remember Billy Graham being very careful what TV shows he went on and who he talked to. There are times, and he, many times, when he turned down an invitation because he knew what was going on. He knew that this was not an opportunity to preach the gospel. This was an, this was an opportunity for the talk show host to be a vicious and wild dog, to tear apart what is sacred and holy. Wow. So here you have the holy pearls, what we call the gospel. But that dog wants what is unholy and contrary to the truth. Here's what these talk show hosts want, and here's what every person who has no interest in Christ wants. They want you to agree with them, or you're you're a bigot. They will not even entertain the thought of the idea that perhaps you're right. 
There's not a chance that you're right. They're right. You're wrong. You're a bigot. And so Christians compromise, sadly. Because who wants to be hated? Who wants to be called names? Who wants to be thought of as a bigot? Nobody wants that label. Nobody wants to be considered or thought of as somebody who is uh, uncompromising or harsh. I've been called uncompromising. I've been called harsh. I've had the term evangelical spit at me as though it were some kind of a, a swear word. In fact, I've, 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 uh, I've had friendships that have suffered because of, of my commitment to evangelical beliefs. Now, so many people don't understand what that means anymore because, again, the, the media throws the term evangelical around as though it were, in fact, something very evil. But here's what I'd like you to do. Uh, rather than just believe what the media tells you, remember the media belongs to this world. It's not of God. I want you to check out on Wikipedia what an evangelical is. And here's what you are going to discover. The term evangelical was adopted uh, back in the 1700s. I think it was uh, 1783 or 1738 that we first see this term used. And it was, it was coined to help Christians understand who was, in fact, truly Christian. Because what was happening is that Christians were, and this happens at every generation, Christians began to slip in terms of their beliefs. And, and we, again, we see it in every generation, Charles Spurgeon, his health declined severely because of the great battle that he had with so many so-called Christians of the day. These, these people were, were rejecting the truth of Scripture, re re rejecting the doctrines that were handed down to us through the apostles. And so the term evangelical was created, was established to help people understand what it is that we believe. And so Wikipedia will tell you that the term evangelical is a worldwide trans-denominational movement within Protestant churches that maintains the belief that the essence of the gospel consists of the doctrine of salvation, how to, how to be saved, how can we be saved from death, how can we be saved for eternity, it's a doctrine of salvation by grace alone. In other words, you cannot work to, to be saved. You cannot earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can do that's going to get you to heaven. It's by grace alone. So how do you receive this salvation by grace alone? Well, the Bible is clear. It's by faith and by faith alone. This is evangelicalism classical evangelicalism. We believe in salvation by God's grace alone, by faith alone. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and in doing so, we find salvation. And folks, understand this. Jesus Christ is the one who, atone, who makes atonement for us. He's the one that makes at one mint. Atone, if you take the word atonement and you break it down, you can get at one mint. And Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to be one with the Father again. The way it was 
before Adam and Eve sinned. It's Jesus' work on the cross. Now, this is what every evangelical believes. But here's what's happening now. And it's almost time now where we have got to coin a brand new word because the word evangelical now has been so watered down by people who claim to be evangelical but who have rejected the very basic doctrines of Scripture. Let me just add a few more doctrines of Scripture that every evangelical believes. Evangelicals believe in the centrality of the conversion or born-again experience in receiving salvation, in the authority of the Bible as God's revelation to humanity, and then the spreading of the Christian message throughout the world. All of these things are what make unbelievers, which make the dogs and the pigs angry and vicious. They don't want to hear that. That's not the bits of food that they want. They want to be affirmed in their wildness. They want to be affirmed in their wickedness. This is tough stuff. But Christian, understand this. You and I need to know what it is that we believe, and we need to know how to be discerning about these things. We don't make excuses or apologize for the gospel. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. The gospel is what gives me eternal life if I embrace it. And so we don't apologize. But so many of us, we, we see the dogs coming at us, we see the pigs coming at us, and we, we become fearful, we become afraid. We, we don't want to anger them. We give them what they want. And Jesus says, don't throw pearls before swine. Don't, throw your, don't, don't give what is holy to, to the dogs. They won't understand it. What you need to do is you need to walk away. Now think about that, because you probably never heard that before. You probably grew up hearing that you're supposed to take advantage of every opportunity, but clearly Jesus is saying, no, don't. That's not what you do. What you need to do is you need to have a Holy Spirit-inspired wisdom from God. I'm going to tell you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, empowering you, and giving you wisdom to know how to walk in this world. Jesus tells us not to judge, but on the other hand, he's telling us to judge. What's the difference? Well, in the one case, we're not to be judgmental, not to have a judgmental spirit, not to think ill or think badly of people, to hate them. But on the other hand, we need to be discerning in how we interact, how we interact with those who have no interest, whatever, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're called to be wise Christians. So over the last few weeks, we, uh, we've received Jesus' teaching on, on loving others. We looked at the Beatitudes. Uh, we're to love our, our enemies. We're to be merciful. Uh, we're to be humble, forgiving. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. And last week, we learned about the danger of judging others. Jesus says, if you judge others, then you will be judged in the same measure you use, it'll be used on you. 
Clearly, Jesus is calling us to be humble people. Check out Micah 6, verse 8. So Jesus is teaching us the danger of judging, but now what he's doing is he's teaching us the danger of being undiscriminating or undiscerning, lacking judgment. Here's what you're going to see about Christianity. Is that Jesus brings to us balance in our thinking, balance in the way we think, balance in the way that we function and operate. More about that in just a moment. But understand this. When you talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you talk about how Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one can come to the Father except through Christ, it makes unbelievers go berserk. It makes them like wild dogs and pigs. Wow. You tell people that the only way that you can be saved is by putting your faith in the work that Christ did at the cross. They're going to go nuts. They're going to be angry and furious. And folks, this is what we believe. This is who we are. We know, we believe that the way to eternal life is through Christ. Wow. And we believe that the word of God is, in fact, the revealed thoughts and mind of God. It's pure revelation. And it's this message that we need to now go and spread to others and tell others about. All of this makes the world go berserk. They can't stand it. Here's what John says, 1 John 5, 19. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. When will we as Christians get this through our thick skulls? This world hates the church. It hates God. In fact, Paul tells us clearly that when we are born, we are born enemies of God. That's what the world is. The world hates what is holy. The world hates these pearls, which we call the gospel. You need to be clear about this. You need to understand this. And I'm going to tell you, everything you watch on TV, everything that's on, uh, almost everything that, that you're going to see on Facebook and on the social media, it begins out as something nice, as something that, has, that seems hopeful for our culture, but quickly what happens is it descends into a dark, deep hole, a deep pit of, of, of horror, of wickedness and shame. Every, every social medium, uh, media is in the, exactly the same position. Everything that humans get their hands on, it's just a matter of time before it becomes dark, unholy, and wicked. Understand that. Oh, God, help us to be discerning. Help us to be wise. Jesus wants us to understand that there is a a very big danger to be undiscerning and undiscriminating. Now, it's easy to see how this danger arises if you stop and think about it. Christians are told to love your neighbor, pray for your enemy, be a mirror of God's graciousness. When people look at us, we want them to see God because he is the God who sends rain upon both the good and the evil. Look at the, the loving, fair God. Christians have been told never to adopt a judgmental attitude. And so you can see how very easy it would be to become wishy-washy 
and to not take a stand, very much like poor Carl Lentz on The View. Didn't want to be seen as, as somebody who is not the friend of sinners. As a result, we, uh, we are in chronic danger of becoming, in fact, wishy-washy, refusing legitimate distinctions between truth and error, good and evil. As Christians, we have to know, we must understand what is good and what is evil, what is true and what is error. But in this bid to be accepted, to be embraced, to be loved by the world, we have abandoned the truth and we have become exactly like the people that are what Jesus describes as pigs and dogs. This seems, seems so derogatory, but think about it. Until you're born again, until you receive the Spirit of God who dwells within you, isn't that just exactly what we are? We are like animals with base instincts. Oh, yes, there are flashes of the image of God, of, of kindness and of creativity. But left to our own devices, this is who we are. And if you look at the history of humanity as, as shown to us in the Scripture, you see that's exactly it. Genesis 1, God creates the world. Genesis 2, Adam and Eve are given the garden. Genesis 3, they sin. They're kicked out of the garden. Genesis 4, the first two children are are feuding and one kills the other. By Genesis chapter 6, six chapters in, and now God's talking about destroying the world that he created. Why? Because humans who are not under the control of almighty God become like animals, pursuing the basest instincts. Give me food, give me sex, and that'll do the trick. Understand, people, that we are living in a world that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ to liberate people from the evil one of this world who wants nothing more but to to destroy what God loves. And what does God love? He loves you. He loves me. He loved this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. This is the gospel. This is what we're called to preach. But if you are hesitant, if you are unclear in your mind of what it is that God has called us to, then you become absolutely absolutely useless to a world that is perishing. Understand what the world needs more than anything is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not social justice that the world needs. It's not more food that the world needs. It's not more water that the world needs. It's not more clothing. It's not more food. It's not anything but the gospel. And when people's lives are transformed, that's when the miracle of new birth and recreation begins. This is what we preach. And if you are in the least bit unsure, if you're foggy in your thinking on this, then you will be trying to find the pleasure of humans. And Paul said, if I'm now trying to please men that I'm not 
a servant of God. But as it is, I'm looking for God's approval. I'm looking for him to say to me, well done, good and faithful servant. And how do we know we're doing what God wants us to do? I'll tell you, it's when we are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But some people just don't want to hear it. You know what? We, uh, we cannot treat all people the same. Some people are hungry for truth. Some are not. I always felt that, that Larry King happened to be a little bit more uh, interested in the truth than, than others, although I'm not sure about it because I heard uh, after he died, he just died recently, he said when asked, what will be the first question you ask God when you see him? He's going to ask, is Jesus really your son? I don't know, is that a smart aleck remark? I don't know. Was he a searcher? I don't know. But I can tell you this. You and I are called to be discerning. We are not going to share with people who have no interest in hearing what we've got to say. Jesus is careful to bring balance to our natural inclination toward extremism. On the one hand, he's saying, don't be judgmental. But on this hand, he's saying, don't be wishy-washy. Don't be judgmental of your brothers and sisters. Don't be judgmental of people who don't know God. But on the other hand, don't be wishy-washy. You don't have to judge them, but then you don't have to agree with them either. You don't judge them, but you don't go along with whatever they're saying. If they want to call you a bigot, let them call you a bigot. They called Jesus far worse. And I have been called, I've been called terrible things, harsh and rigid in my beliefs. What Jesus is saying here is don't judge others. However, don't be stupid. Don't be unwise. Don't be undiscerning. And we see Jesus holding to this, this principle of being discerning. Jesus didn't talk to everybody. There's some people just clearly not open to what he's got to say. We see that in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. Jesus is speaking of certain Pharisees, and he tells his disciples, leave them. They're they're blind guides, and if a, a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit. And Jesus, when he stood before Pilate, he didn't say anything. He wasn't there to have an argument or a discussion. He was not there for an apologetics lecture. Some people think, some Christians think, that apologetics is is everything. I believe apologetics, if it does anything, it helps the believer. It rarely helps the unbeliever. Because the unbeliever, who is at every every single lecture I've seen where there's an apologetics uh, discussion, the unbeliever is there to have a debate, to have a fight. He wants to argue. Now, there may be people who've come to Christ through that, but I would say that more often what happens is that apologetics is useful for the believer. It helps the believer understand what he believes. But I can tell you that when it comes to preaching the gospel, you you and I cannot argue anybody into the kingdom. Understand that it's a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon people, opens their eyes so that they see the truth. That's how I came to Christ. In fact, everybody that I know came to Christ because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life, in their life at that time. And then God sends somebody along 
who recognizes that I'm not a dog, I'm not a pig, I'm hungry and I'm thirsty for the truth and I hear the gospel and my heart responds. God enables me to respond and I accept Christ. Well, this lack of discernment is what got Carl, poor Carl Lentz into trouble. He wanted to appear non-judgmental. He wanted to appear that he was a loving Christian and a friend to all sinners, uh, but he forgot that his job as a pastor is to preach truth to this wicked generation. Listen, let's just, let's just take off our rose-colored glasses and let's just call it like it is. This world is lost in sin. It's perishing. This is the single reason why God sent his son to this earth. Jesus said, this is why I have come, to seek and to save what is lost, to seek and to save what is perishing, what's dying. The problem with the pig and the dog is they don't know what serious trouble they're in. They don't understand that they're behaving as wild animals. And someone will say, well, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He ate with the sinners. Yes. But do you think that he was there being influenced by them? Absolutely not. It was the other way around. They were being influenced by him. I remember one fellow in Bible school. He decided that he thought he should have a bar ministry, go to the bars and have a few beers with the guys and share the gospel. Well, long story short, He won nobody to Christ, but he became an alcoholic. And I've seen that happen so many times over the years. I heard one guy just just recently told me that that, uh, his his friend, who never touched alcohol in his whole life, went to BC and he felt God wanted him to be a pastor. And so what he thought he should do is he should, again, exactly the same story. He He should take up drinking so he could have a few drinks with the boys. And I asked, well... Uh, he's been doing this for how long? He's been doing it for two years. How many people has he won to Christ through this new approach to evangelism? And there was dead silence. Nobody came to Christ. Listen, the world is not looking for us to become like them. The world is looking to us to bring them the gospel truth. But when they're ready for it. So Jesus, he was discerning in who he spoke to. He didn't just speak to just anybody. But when he knew somebody was open to hear the truth, he was ready to give it to them. Look at the woman at the well, a Samaritan woman of all things, not even Jewish. And a woman, what's Jesus doing talking to a woman? Well, he knew that she was hungry and thirsty for the truth. Oh, the Jews thought Samaritans were dogs and pigs, but Jesus saw a soul hungry for truth, and he led her to his own throne. Wow. Wow. Hey, listen, if you're looking just for a set of rules on how to live your life, this is not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is being spirit-led, being led of the spirit and being discerning, not judgmental and hateful, but knowing when it is that you should speak and when it is that you should share the gospel of truth. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 18, verse 5, he abandoned his ministry to the Jews in Corinth. Why? Because they were acting like pigs and dogs, and they were Jews. 
The Jews always thought it was the Gentiles who were the pigs and dogs, but in this case, the Jews were acting like that. They weren't open to truth. They didn't want anything to do with it. They opposed Paul and opposed them and opposed them. And so Paul said, that's it, I'm done. I'm not talking to you anymore. Yeah. Titus 3.10, Paul says, warn a divisive person once and then warn them a second time and then after that have nothing to do with them. Hey, do you know what? It's for this reason that there are people that I refuse to talk to. Some people think it's my job I have to talk to anybody and everybody because I'm the pastor. And the answer is, no, I don't, and I won't. If I lay out to you the gospel, if I lay out to you the truth, if, if you're not open to hear the truth, if you're not open to hear the doctrines that I've been called to preach, I'm not talking to you. I've got nothing to say to you. I will be like Jesus before Pilate. My mouth will be closed. I've got nothing to say to you. You can call me, you can text me, you can email me, you can send me letters. I'm not responding. And I can tell you over the years, there's many, many, many people I have not responded to. Why? Because I am not going to cast pearls before pigs. Some Christians treat God as an embarrassment, as somebody who needs to be managed who needs a PR manager, public relations manager. I can tell you today, God needs no management. He is God of the universe. He has given us the truth, the truth that sets us free. We have in this book the revelation of the mind of God. He calls us to live according to this word, according to this truth, and never, ever to make an apology for truth that sets people free. Be clear about this. God has called us to be wise. He's called us to be discerning. He's called us to be loving and gentle and sweet, walking in the Spirit, to to evidence the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, but to never, ever, ever compromise or apologize for the truth that has given us eternal life. Oh, let's be clear about this metaphor. The dog and the pig, base base instincts, food and sex is all they needed. The dog and the pig would be vicious and attack a threaten or block from getting what they wanted. That's the way it is with somebody until the Spirit of God comes upon them and shows them the truth, shows them the way. It's at that hour, that moment, when they're hungry and thirsty for God that you and I are called to step in and be an evangelist and tell them the truth, the truth that will set them free. You would think when you read this that Jesus is deriding, making fun of the unbeliever, mocking and saying hateful things. Not at all, not at all. God loves the sinner. And he's called you and me to be prepared to share that gospel of peace, that gospel of hope, that gospel of reconciliation, that gospel of eternal life, to be prepared and ready when we see and we know somebody's ready to receive the truth. 
Oh, yes, there's times we need to be patient. There's times when we need to be careful not to give up. But in our heart, we'll know when a person's ready. I've been amazed over the years at the number of people who I thought they'd rejected God, rejected the church, rejected me. And then it's years later, they'll call. I'll get a phone call, a text, a letter. Say, do you remember me? It's like, absolutely. And I embrace them and share with them the love of God. Yes, Jesus says, don't be judgmental, but be discerning. Because here's what we know. When that dog or when that pig realizes that there's more to life than just rooting around for food, following their base instincts, when they're ready to cry out to God, well, we read in the next verses, which we'll talk about next week, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Don't think for one minute that God hates the sinner. God loves this world. And at the moment that people are ready to receive, he will give them what their hearts long for. God, we pray right now that you would use us as instruments of your hope, instruments of your love, to help a broken and hurting world. But we know, God, the way to hurt, help a, a hurting and broken, broken world is not by compromising our standards. It's not by being undiscerning and, and undiscriminatory. It's by understanding, Father, who is ready to see, to see and to hear from Jesus. God, use us, we pray, to be a blessing to people who are hungry, who are asking, seeking, and knocking. And Father, we know that you will make yourself available to all who cry out to you. In the meantime, God, help us, we pray, to stand firm for Jesus, to not compromise and to be ready with the gospel for those who ask. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.